home of Philadelphia Eagles football. WENJ, WENJHD, Millville Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, hour two of the Sports Bash. Gerso in 15 minutes, Flyers and Islanders tonight. The puck drops at 7. You can download the free mobile app, listen to it on your phone or right here on 97.3 ESPN. Brought to you, Flyers coverage is brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. Go to PlaySugarHouse.com. Win real money with their sports books along with casino games from the comfort of your home. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. So, a lot to continue to dive into here. As uh, it looks likely that Brett Brown will not be back, and look, I'm okay with that. I don't. I'm not sitting here telling you what a mistake they're making by not bringing back Brett Brown. I don't think he is the number one problem with this team. Here's the problem, though: you got bad contracts. He's been here seven years. It's the only way they can make a move, and you can't bring him back. The fan base is so apathetic towards him by this point. Even the people who like Brett, even the people who don't think Brett's the biggest problem, I think have gotten to the point where, all right, I'm ready to move on and see something different, right? I would have to agree, yes, because I'm one of those people. I think it's time now where, look, yeah, it's really bad. I mean, I know a lot of people are realizing it now how bad this roster truly is, but when you think about what was thrown out there, it's insane. And then, you know, oh, why Howell Neto? We need Alec Burks. We've been through this, Gil. Alec Burks, I mean, you put him out there. Did you see what he did? That wasn't the savior. There was no savior. And that's why this Trey Burke thing, everyone's so fascinated with Trey Burke. He's been on how many teams in seven season? Five teams or so? Like, if you're going to say, well, there's a reason Tobias Harris was bounced around, well, then you can't just say the Sixers really screwed up by letting Trey Burke walk. There's a reason why he's been bounced around. Sure, he's having a nice couple games or whatever the case may be, but this fascination with Trey Burke, oh, look what he did the Sixers get swept with Trey Burke on this roster likely I will say this about the stuff with Burke and even Alec Burks you have a couple of guys who could put the ball in the basket this team has trouble scoring they couldn't score in this series I mean I think they scored 101 points multiple times and they couldn't figure out a way to get those guys into the game and find a role for them I'm not saying that they were difference makers but this was a team as constructed late in the year when Ben went down, that had trouble scoring. I mean, they how many times you watch them, and we're talking about these other games where guys are just going back and forth and hitting big shots. The Sixers just could not keep up with them. You know, Burke yesterday, four or five from three. I know that's a big game for him, but he was a guy that displayed that he could shoot. Well, the, no, the last game he went six for 16, one of eight from three with 13 No, yesterday points. he went four for five from three. Alec, uh, not Burke. I'm talking about Trey Burke. Oh, okay, okay. Wrong I'm sorry. Burke. Yeah, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, what? Yeah, I thought yeah. he had a bad game. I'm looking at the stats. Like, I'm looking at it right here. He was awful. No, uh, Trey Burke. Yeah, yeah, Trey Burke. Had a big game yesterday. Yeah. And he's had a pretty good series. I mean, but uh, again, I'm not. I'm agreeing with you. He's not the savior or anything. But when you had a chance to play him or Neto during the regular season, he was not getting the playing time. And you're thinking to yourself, this team can't shoot. This right. guy does one thing pretty good. He can get to the basket, create a shot, and shoot it a little bit. I no, mean, I'm with you. I just think, you know, with where we are right now, right, when we look at the pecking order of issues, at this point, Trey Burke or Howell Neto is, 
Okay, no, who's, that's not who's changing the, your season. Right. Is that the ninth best man on the team or the tenth best man in the team? It's yep. it's just an irrelevant conversation to have at this point. Like, who cares that Trey Burke is there? He's been bounced around from Utah to New York to Philly to here. He's been getting cut left and right. I mean, there is a reason why that's happening. And sure, there's some sports stories out there where a man gets cut ten times and finds a way, or whatever the case may be, but I just think it is such an irrelevant conversation when you see Trey Burke doing that because it made no difference here. It, it, it wouldn't have been the difference in anything happening with this season. We need monster changes. The ninth or 10th best man on the team, I don't give a damn about that right now. No, I, I, I don't disagree there. I, I would just say, you know, in this situation, Burke may have been a guy who can, you know, he's shooting 50% from three. He shot 43% from three during the course of the year, and yet there wasn't a real role for him uh, to be had. You know, you, you go down with guys. Like, this team just in these playoffs just could not generate any offense. I mean, you're scoring 101 points in, in some of these games. I think they had 101 points back-to-back games. Well, I mean, But that comes down to, you know, feeding Joel Embiid, having him do his thing. And that's just what you had because the talent's not there to really do much else. It's not like Tobias was helping out. His first three-pointer was made in that game. By the way. Terrible. Can we talk about what happened to him? That head injury. Yeah. How did he get back out there? That was scary. It was. Yeah, I'm, sur- I'm, I, but I, I'm surprised he wasn't concussed. He's That's turned, all. all of a sudden, he's like, uh, he's Aaron Rowan. Oh, I mean, right, right, I mean, right. Well, I'm not going to that It looked level. ugly, but yeah. obviously he got back into the game and played, so it wasn't as bad as it looked. No, I'm, I'm I, with The you. people that were like, oh, my God, I was like, dude, he's a professional athlete. He hit his head on the floor. He got back up. I'm just shocked that he wasn't concussed with the way that his he head probably smashed. was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, he probably was. I wasn't all like, oh my god, I can't believe this guy's playing. It's I a mean, Philadelphia guy. The other day if anyone was, needs it, it's, that's the support right? he needs I mean, right Tobias now. Tobias Harris went from this hated guy, he stinks, all of a sudden he's Aaron Rowan because he fell and hit his face on the floor. Well, the, you know, that, that shows toughness to come back in a game that they know they're losing just to show some heart. <laughs> By the way, in this game that's going on right now, Orlando is beating Milwaukee 72-71. Back and forth they go. Markel Fultz just hit a second three of the game. That's more threes than Tobias Harris hit in the whole series. Now, how many points does he have, Fultz? 13. 13 points. Yep, and I still haven't been paid by those. Uh... <laughs> you might have to send the Venmo request. You know, you can send the request, and then they yep. get it, and they have to oh, either okay. accept or reject gotcha. the request that you send. Yeah, 22 minutes, he's got uh, 13 points, The one two thing for I will say, three. I feel it's weird that I don't think that, you know, he's some insane superstar by any means. Can he play in this league? But I took a bet with one of my buddies over the weekend. He thinks in four years, folks won't even be in the league. That's ridiculous. I, I know. I took that easily. You know what I mean? Of course I'm going to take that. But can I get in on that yeah. bet? <laughs> don't you think that he should get more minutes than he does? For his role, like for what he is there in Orlando, I'm not saying he's a superstar, but he gets around what 20 minutes a game, 25. Uh, yeah, he's around 20. Don't 25. you think he's more of a 30ish I, guy? I think maybe? after this year, you'll probably see him take that another step. Kind yeah, of maybe. I mean, I'm not big spot. on Fultz, but for him in that spot, I feel they're doing him a disservice giving him 20 because it's not like that team is just stacked with insane talent. Give the guy a bone and let him go play. Uh, I I think they've done a good job of just kind of picking their spots with him, and now as the playoffs have gotten here, he's playing a little bit more. Look, he's still not a finished product. I mean, he's still kind of, you know, but he, he's a he's willing to take the three, something he wasn't doing while he was here. He's he's still an explosive first step guy. I mean, he can beat you off the dribble. That spin move too. Oh man, he is so quick. But that being that, they the 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 problem when I watch this series too, you again. The Celtics were just throwing athletic wings at the Sixers. They just could not keep up with. And they just absolutely went at guys. I mean, 
soon as Shake Milton, they found out that he couldn't defend, they went after yeah, it's him unfortunate. every single time. I thought time. Shake, like, Shake for what it was worth, when he got thrown in there, he, sh- he showed some intriguing He's stuff. He's a young player, He's I get He's not it. ready for the moment, no. but he does give you a little bit of intrigue for what he can be. But, okay, so they, they basically, they found Shake. They went after him every single time. And you go down the other end, and the Sixers, you know, they're basically just hoisting up threes. There's nobody underneath the rebound. Constantly, you look at Boston, they are constantly getting – you would have four blue jerseys and Daniel Tice, and Tice is the guy getting the ball, tipping the ball out, you know. And when you look at teams, they just just constantly were out hustling. Down the other end, the Sixers are one and done, and – Tatum had foul trouble. They don't go at him because they have nobody that can put the ball on the floor. They can't figure out a way because they have no shot creators to go, hey, Tatum has two fouls. We're going to put the ball in the hand of the guy who Tatum is covering, and we're going to tell him to go to the basket every single time until Tatum gets that third foul so we can get him out of the game. Never happens. I mean, that kind of stuff where they just don't have basketball-savvy guys. I saw a breakdown, too, of what the Celtics were doing defensively. I forget where I saw these clips from. But it should never work to the level that it worked at. The fact that they can have that guy shadowing right around Joel Embiid, it was because, and we all know it, the roster stinks outside of Joel Embiid, so there's no one else to trust out there. But the way that it worked and how efficient it was where they were pouncing and waiting to bring that double team, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. The way that it worked to that level is insane, and the reason why that is is because you can't rely on Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, to make those shots when Joel Embiid would find them because they weren't good enough to make it in those moments. Yeah, and I mean, look, I like Joel. I think you can win with Joel. The problem is Joel needs to, and he said it, I need to get better at certain things. He needs to be better at the double team. He needs to be better at passing out of the double team. I think his shot selection, he gets lazy at times and settles for elbow jumpers. He gets lazy at times and settles for fadeaways. Now, it's amazing that he has that in his arsenal. That's what he's so tantalizing that he can do it, but I think he settles too much. He settles just for not smart shots a lot. Does the Instagram caption scare you out of Joel and B? I didn't see it. Tough ending, dot, 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 onto a better future. Not really. He's under contract for a couple more years. You know how it works these days, I though. Know. Sports Pass brought to you by SHM Financial. Are you quickly approaching or in retirement? Don't get overwhelmed. Contact SHM Financial. Call 800-MONEY-SHM or visit online at shmfinancial.com. When uh, when people talk about firing Brett Brown, what's the number one coach that's brought up to replace him? Your butts are like, oh, they got to hire this guy. That's Mark Jackson, right? Yeah. It's Mark Jackson. Mark I hear Jackson. Mark Jackson's name more than anything. I literally hear Mark Jackson's name four to one over every other guy out there. Don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, I know. Like I never like I hear Jay Wright a lot too, but I think those are like the Villanova sniffers, you know? Yeah, D Ray, (laughs) the mainliners. (laughs) You know, if you're an Avalon, you get Jay Wright. You live up this way, you you get more Mark Jackson. But I don't know. Mark Jackson doesn't excite me at all. Um, I don't know that there is a guy out there that I'm. I, I maybe I, I do like Dave Yeager, although he's been run out of town twice now in Memphis and in Sacramento. He's rubbed everybody the wrong way. One sports talk radio show on 97.3 ESPN FM.
All right, Sports Bash coming up at 5 o'clock tonight. Front office insider Bobby Marks will join us from ESPN. Also, Zubin Mahenti from KJZ. I'm enjoying the morning show. Jay Wilt does a great job. He's really good. Absolutely. So we'll uh, talk to Zubin tonight at 5.30. He's a uh, passionate Sixer fan. That should be interesting. I'm interested in his takes on that. Most blamed for the Sixers' first-round exit. We will get back into that a little bit later on. But right now, the Flyers are out of the first round. They're in the round number two. We'll preview the series with the Islanders. This presents a much different challenge than Montreal did. And we'll break it down now with Kevin Durso as he joins us here, our Flyers insider from 97.3 ESPN.com. He appears via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. And, Kevin, let's start with that. What challenges do the Islanders bring that maybe uh, are a little bit more advanced than what Montreal was able to bring? Yeah, Montreal is uh, not nearly as deep of a team as the Islanders are. The Islanders have really good depth on their team. They've got some really solid forwards, and it goes beyond their top six. This is as pretty much probably as well-balanced a team as the Flyers are uh, in terms of pretty much everybody who's left in the Eastern Conference can roll four lines really well. And they've got skilled guys. I mean, they've got more skilled guys than Montreal did for sure. And a lot of them are not faces of the league. I would like to say is the best way I can describe it. You know, Matthew Barzell is an excellent player. He's got the potential to be a superstar down the road and he is an all-star already, but not as many people know him because he's just not in that same level as, as, as a Sidney Crosby or an Alex Ovechkin or somebody like that. But he's really talented. The Flyers have had fits with him before and they, there's a chance that they certainly will in this series as well, especially if you give him the space to operate. Uh, you got guys like Anthony Bavillier, who's been scoring a ton in the playoffs so far. Uh, Anders Lee and Brock Nelson are talented forwards as well, who have been all-stars before as well. So you've got to watch for all of those guys. And even down to at the deadline way back in, in late February, Mon- uh, uh, the Islanders add J.G. Pajot, who is a very talented center as well, who was scoring a ton with Ottawa and then comes over to the Islanders and really didn't miss a beat, and the style seems to fit him as well. So it's it's a similar team in a lot of ways to Montreal. They definitely still bring that same kind of physical nature. They are going to challenge you in the defensive zone. They're going to make things difficult on you. But they are less of that team that will challenge you almost in a man-to-man style in the neutral zone. They'll sit back a little more. That might play into the Flyers' favor if they can get some better entries and maybe execution that leads to better entries. But then they're still going to be challenged to get to the net and get to the dirty areas where a lot of goals are scored in the playoffs. That's really going to be one of the keys to the series is who can create the most space at the front of the net and take advantage of it because the Islanders score a lot from in close. The Flyers have been trying to do that as well. They, they've scored a number of their goals in other games in the bubble, in the round robin, by being able to go to the net. And that's a style I think they'd want to have play out in their favor as well in this series. So that's going to be the challenge, and the Islanders certainly pose a threat with the amount of depth that they have. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a defensive matchup. And and one of the things we've praised throughout the entire season with this squad was Elaine Vigneault. So I asked this question, who has the coaching advantage? Because Barry Trotz is one hell of a coach. He obviously won the Stanley Cup, and he has put together a great scheme with this team, which concerns me a bit. So, you know, when it comes to the coaching advantage, where do you see that? It's really close. I, I mean, probably Barry Trotz has the advantage because he's got the one thing that Elaine Fignot does not, which is the Stanley Cup win. He's been this far before and, and farther and has the ability and has shown the ability to be able to finish the job with one team in the past. And obviously he's not the coach of the Washington Capitals anymore, 
like he was two years ago when he won the Stanley Cup, but he's brought that to the Islanders, and it's that defensive style, and it's helped make the Islanders an even more competitive team. And, you know, the Flyers have had to do the same thing with Elaine Vigneault. They had to buy into the style and become a better team as a result of buying in, and we've seen it from both sides. So I think that the advantage, if, if there is any, is very slim. You know, Barry Trotz has obviously just been there before, and I thought Barry Trotz said something that was really interesting about experience in the playoffs because both teams have had, had players who haven't been on deep playoff runs before in their careers. And Barry Trotz said that that, it, that experience doesn't really matter until you're the team that's up against the diversity. So I think that game one is really a tone setter in this series to really establish whose style is going to come out on top to see if there's areas that need as much improvement as they did, as they looked to in that Montreal series, especially from the flyer standpoint, you know, if, if the execution still doesn't look good, if they're still struggling to take shots and get shot volume on the net, then I think that you're going to start to be more concerned if you not only see that, but you also don't win the game and you fall behind one, nothing in the series because it's not going to work this time around. I, I think, I think what you need to see is you need to see them come out and, and see if you can, if see if they can play their game more like they did in the round robin. You know, they took advantage of those top teams by being able to play their game and Montreal really held them at bay for a lot of that series. So if you can come out and play your game and, and have some positive signs going forward in the series, whether you win or lose the game tonight, I think that, if you show those signs, then that's a better, that's probably a better outcome than the win or the loss. But if you can win and maybe not have your best game, it also sets the tone as well. So I think game one is just an important game no matter, no matter what happens. It's just about trying to get that edge because I think the Flyers have had the best success when they're in the driver's seat. Uh, Kevin Durso, tonight the Flyers take on the Islanders game one. You can listen to the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. And don't forget, download the free mobile app and you can listen to the game right on your phone. Puck drops at 7 uh, hockey, it's about the goalie. Carey Price, that was a fear. Should the Flyers have a decided advantage at that spot in this series? Yeah, yeah I think so now. I think that you know when it's Carey Price, it, there's something that comes with that. I think it can almost play into your mind that you're going against Carey Price, and I think the Flyers tried to be too perfect from an offensive standpoint because it's Carey Price in the other net. I think maybe now everybody relaxes a little bit because it's not a, it's not a goalie who just carries that weight of being such a superstar. You know, Semyon Varlamov has been excellent in these playoffs. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's going to be a tough challenge, but it's not the name. It's just, it, it just isn't. And I think that the Flyers have a guy right now also. You know, Carter Hart has shown the ability to bounce back from the rough starts, has shown the ability to bounce back within games from some of the bad things that may happen. If he lets in a goal, he, he bounces back really quickly. You're going to need that mentality in the series because goals could be hard to come by, especially early. I think they're this, the first period of this game tonight probably is going to be a really big feeling out process. So it probably is going to look slow. It may not be this, the type of start you're looking for, but as long as you don't give anything up and you can play a calm game, and Carter Hart certainly oozes calmness when he's in the net, then I think that that can play into your advantage big time. I, I think that the, the other thing about Varlamov is, is that he he's not going to be the same type of guy that Carey Price is either in terms of if you're going to dump the puck into the zone, Carey Price turns into another defenseman and plays it and makes it look easy. Varlamov's not like that at all, and I think that's another advantage, too. They're not going to be able to utilize – the Islanders can't utilize their goalie the way Montreal was able to utilize theirs, and that can play into the Flyers' favor. 
I have such a weird feeling heading into this series because obviously the Flyers exceeded expectations, at least in my books, and here they are in the second round. Is this a must-win series? Is it, hey, they can lose the series, but it needs to look better than it did against the Montreal Canadiens? They're not going up against a Tampa or a Boston Bruins where they're obviously a really good cup contender, if you will. So uh, what what should we expect out of the Flyers? What should be the real expectations in a series against the Islanders? It's, it's tough to lay an expectation on it, but one of the things I think you want to look for is I want to see this team kind of put their money where their mouth is because they talked for the last couple of days about having another level to reach, and, and everybody from Chuck Fletcher to Elaine Vigneault to, to some of the players said that there's another level to hit. Now I want to see it. You know, I want to see them hit that next level and see if, how far that takes them, not just in this series, but maybe beyond if, this, if they can come out of this series too. I, I want to see that. And I don't disagree with anything that was said over the last couple of days. I think that there is another level as well because we saw them play so well in those first three round robin games and then really have a tough time with Montreal, who was, you know, it's the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference. It's the 24th ranked team in points percentage that even made it into the bubble. It, it, it was, a, it was, I think expectations were way higher for that Montreal series. And I certainly don't think a lot of people saw it going six games. Now you're into a tougher series, so I think expectations on how long this series goes are much more tempered in that sense. But I still think that if the Flyers are going to talk about having another level to reach and if they haven't played their best hockey yet in a playoff series, which I agree they haven't, then I want to see them actually reach that level, especially against this team, because this is probably the one team that's left in the Eastern Conference that uh, that they haven't been able to defeat yet this year, and I want to see if they can find a way to do that uh, now that they have much more of a feel for playoff hockey. That first series was a really good setup for this kind of type of series. At this point, I think they're going to be more prepared to play the playoff style that comes with playing in, in at this time of year in the NHL. And I think that that's what I need to see now is I need to see them hit that next level. Uh, let me ask you about the schedule. I mean, two back-to-backs, including the six and seven. You're going to play game six and seven on a back-to-back. I mean, do you have any insight on why there's two back-to-backs in this playoff series, I mean, especially game six and seven. I understand if you're saying everybody had to play one, but they, right, they got two back-to-backs in the series, don't they? Yeah, they do, and it, it, it certainly stood out to me when I saw the schedule come out, too, and the only thing that I can think of uh, that lends to this is that tentatively the league is trying to start the conference finals by September 8th, and the two teams that come out of these these two series in the Eastern Conference are then going to have to leave Toronto and travel to Edmonton, and I'm sure there's going to be a period for a couple days at least where those two teams have to stay away from everything and have to just isolate in their hotel rooms once they get to Edmonton. So I think that explains why they need these series to be over by September 3rd at the latest. Gives them five days to not only have them travel, but have them get situated in Edmonton, take the time to get accustomed to a new bubble and then go and be able to start to practice and get ready for game one of whenever their series would be. So I, I think that's the reason it certainly presents a challenge in these times. I mean, you look at these, uh, you know, the schedule here and the Flyers are going to play for the first four games of the series in five and a half days because the because even game four is on Saturday in the afternoon from a Monday night game one start. So it's going to be a lot of hockey in a short amount of time and I get, you know, I guess you have the benefit because you don't have to travel anywhere. That's an, an added bonus, but it still is a challenge. And 
there there might be some creative things that have to happen with the lineups and even with the goalies uh, that may come into play because you're playing so much in such a little period of time. I think that that's going to really make things interesting in this series. For more on this series, go to 97.3ESPN.com. Kevin underscore Durso. Follow him uh, for live action during the game. And, of course, uh, right here, listen to the game tonight, 7 o'clock. Tim Saunders and Steve Coates call all the action. You can listen to the game on 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. Download it wherever you get your uh, apps in your app store, or you can listen on your computer at 97.3 ESPN.com. And I'm sure we'll be hearing much more from Kevin throughout this series. Thank you, pal. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Flyers coverage with Kevin Durso. It's brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. Now, see, I, I do. I think a little differently than you do on this one. How do you feel? Flyers are the one seed. I know they got it in a wonky way. They were still going to be a top four seed anyway, which was still better than the Islanders are. If I lose this series to the Islanders, I, I got to feel disappointment. I, there are two games over 500. I know that, that that's not indicative of the kind of team they are, but you were better than them before the restart. You were going to be a higher seed than them before the restart. Why would I give you an out to say, I'm okay if you lose a game against a team that was going to be seeded lower than you? And I know in the NHL, seeding is uh, okay, but you're better than them. I don't know if they necessarily are, and that's what we're waiting to see. Because I think their system is so strong. Barry Trotz puts together such a great system with this core. And as he alluded to, Kevin Durso, that is, you know, you look at Matthew Barzell, you look at these guys at the top, they have players right now that are producing way better than the Flyers' top six guys. And that's where I think I'm a little concerned is, you know, the Flyers' top guys, they're not producing while you have someone like Barzell for the Islanders who's rocking and rolling. And that's where I'm just a little bit concerned. I agree with that. He mentioned the depth, and I agree with him there. I go to the goalie. Okay. I go to the goalie. Well, here's the thing. If AD, I say I like both these two teams and their depth, where do I see a decided advantage? I have one. 79. Ooh. Okay. I like that. Give me the goosebumps. Now, A.V. went back-to-back -back with Carter Hart in the last back-to-back -back situation. It didn't work out. No. So now I'm thinking the next time well, that happens here, he's going Elliot. Got, and, and there's two reasons why, Broads. You got two back-to-backs. You're going to play the kid on back-to-backs in game uh, two and three? And then say I got to use you again on a back. They play well, on. He's, okay, if it goes to seven, though, he has to play seven. Right, but I'm saying so, so he's either not going to play in two or three. He's probably not going to play in three. Yes, he will not play in three. They play Monday. They're off Tuesday. They play Wednesday is two. Three is on Thursday. Yeah, so that means Brian Elliott's probably going to go in game in game three. I and, would think. Because Carter Hart has to play game seven. And then they play game four on Saturday. Game five is on Monday, so you would have Hart off for Thursday, Friday, and then he's back Saturday, off Sunday, Monday they play, and then the next two games, are, they're off Tuesday, and then game six is Wednesday, and game seven is Thursday. That's asinine. It really is. I'm, I'm actually, look, I thought the NHL has done a, a wonderful job with all this. The scheduling during these playoffs, these back-to-backs, I can I can get away with one in a series. It's not preferred, but if one I can understand. Doing it, I get it. Two is ridiculous, Two's especially outrageous. six and seven. Six and seven, right? You tell me two and three, fine. You tell me three and four, all right. Five and six, uh, six and seven. You're giving me a back-to-back -back in this in game seven. I played the night before. Come on, Batman. Come on, Batman. You got some praise for this. I would also think, by the way, Flyers Wednesday. That game's a three o'clocker. The day after, it's a, I guess, a 7 o'clock. 
Yeah, I can't imagine them going back to the 3 o'clock games like yeah, that. Yeah, it's 7, and then game 4, I don't know, that's a Saturday 12 game. 12 o'clock. It's a noon game, right. And then after that, you have a Monday game, which I would guess would be back to 7 o'clock. And if it gets to game six and seven, you might be playing game seven at three o'clock in the afternoon. There's no way. Me? There's no way. The TV ratings, that would be a horrendous move by the end. But I'm just going by off of the way the schedule kind of falls. Yeah. You're going noon, seven. I can't imagine them doing that. I don't know. I can't imagine them putting two back-to-backs in a playoff exactly. series. So who am I? Headlines on the way. Bobby Marks tonight. Zuba Mahenti at 530. It's all right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Bros with you till 6 o'clock tonight. Game night tonight. Scott Lawton, uh, Laughlin, excuse me, not the uh, Flyers winger. The uh, what? Nothing. I'm listening to you. Oh, I thought you were mouthing something to me. Yeah. Okay. I think I got what you said. Yeah. Uh, from Sirius XM NHL Radio, he will preview Flyers and Islanders tonight at uh, about 6.20. And if news happens with Brett Brown, uh, we will be all over that as well because it could happen. I think the, the uh, Sixers are in the air right now. So, Are you shocked it didn't happen, happen yet, or you think it's probably reasonable with the timeline of when they're flying out? I'm a little surprised, and I'm not a little surprised. Like At this point, it's just like the dirty laundry's coming out. Like This is all happening. But he's got to fly home with these guys. Like right. You're going to fire the guy before he gets on the plane? Right, right. It's a little I mean, I, I think that, that the Sixers, quite frankly, have not handled this great. This The last couple days have not been uh, handled fantastic. Well, I don't think the whole year has been, so we shouldn't be surprised. So. I mean, all this stuff's all coming out now that, uh, you know, he had a hand in not bringing Jimmy back. Why would you let that out? Like, you're almost trying to, like, look, Brett was not popular to begin with with the fan base. The fan base wanted him out. You didn't need to, like, pour anything else on the top of it however whoever this is coming out from it didn't have to come out like this the fan base didn't like they were done with brett anyway not everybody's rational everybody most people are irrational and they just piled on the coach you didn't need to pile more on the coach he was already disliked for the most part i don't even know how much i'm not gonna say it's fake news or anything go crazy like that but you know, when you hear these stories about, well, Brett Brown didn't really like Jimmy Butler and what he had to say, like, okay, that might be true and there is something behind that, but that doesn't mean that there's not somebody else within the organization who thought the same way as Brett, who was higher than Brett in the pecking order, who thought the same thing, right? Like, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who are above Elton Brand, above Brett Brown, who thought something very similar than Brett did in that scenario about Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I don't think that that's crazy to say, but look. There are 100 million reasons why you should listen to me right now. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes. Download the app and sign up using promo code 973, then enter DraftKings free football survivor pool. Don't forget about the great odd boost for the playoff basketball games and golf as well. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's start with some of these headlines here. Raptors, Kyle Lowry, diagnosed with an ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. Now, I like this Raptors team. You know, I'm one of those guys that claim you can't really win without a superstar. You need to have that superstar. They don't really have that legit, insane superstar anymore, yet the team is playing phenomenal basketball. They're going up against the Boston Celtics. I would assume Kyle Lowry is going to play through some sort of injury, no matter, you know, as long as it's playable on to a degree. 
Who do you think has the advantage in this series? I like Toronto. Me too. As much as I like Boston's team, I don't think they have the depth in this series. I think losing Hayward kind of hurts them in the end. I like the depth of the Raptors, and I'll go. Although, if, if Lowry is forced His to miss. His condition will be updated as appropriate. That's where we're at right, right. now. Right, so today, I'm counting Lowry in. Me too. So, I'm going with Lowry in today. Obviously, that could change. I like the depth, and I'll go Toronto with the depth over that Boston team that doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of depth. I don't want to take away what the Boston Celtics did in this series against the the Sixers because I do think that they did some nice things, and you saw what Tatum can be when he's really rocking and rolling. You saw some of Kemba Walker as well, who was attacking Shake Milton at times. But don't you feel like some of this series was almost the Sixers are just awful? The Sixers just don't have a roster constructed to play a seven-game series against Boston. I mean, they don't have the athletic... This is two years ago. They don't have the athletic wing. Two years ago, they had the shooting with Bellinelli and Ursan. They couldn't defend the wings. They couldn't... And if they weren't shooting, if they weren't hitting their threes, they couldn't defend. This team here couldn't defend, and they don't shoot threes at all. I mean, the team two years ago at least could get hot, hit a couple threes. That series was somewhat competitive. This wasn't a competitive series. The Celtics just blitzed you. Right, and I think the reason why they blitzed the Sixers, and and I don't want to take away from the Celtics because I think they are a good team, but I almost feel this series made them look better than what they are because the Sixers are just that much of a mess. Yeah, I I mean, I think this is a matchup problem for Boston. Ananobi, very good defender. Siakam, very good defender. Lowry's a good defender. Van Vliet, um, you know, he's a... Not a great defender, but I'm saying like they got they got wings. They got wings that you know Van Vliet can match up. You know with with uh, Walker. You got Ananobi who can go with Brown. You got Siakam who can go with Tatum. You got guys who can match up with them athletically. They you know and they have they got depth on the bench. Now if Kyle Lowry can't play, advantage Boston to, enough to win a couple games well, there, I mean, maybe squeak out. They don't have Hayward. You right. don't have Lowry. Does that even things out? Mm. I don't know. Because I think the Celtic Kyle Lowry is more important to the Raptors than I think Hayward was to the Celtics. Yeah. Not I'm excited mention, for that match. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I like Toronto, though. Look, I like Toronto last year. Got blasted for that. I didn't like Boston last year. Got blasted for that. I was right. You were wrong. Boston stunk last year. Toronto won the championship. Now, do you think that one of these teams, let's say Toronto wins, can they beat the Bucs? Not you were wrong, by the way. You weren't here. Correct. Do You're you th- saying the people. Yeah, I got you. People I who blasted. I didn't take that personally. Look, it, it, I'm wrong sometimes. I'm right sometimes. It is what it is. That's the nature of this beast, right? I will say that if, if the Toronto Raptors play the Bucks, I think the Raptors can win that series. I do too. They're just gritty. And they're gritty and they play together like they've been together for a while that group of guys yeah Gasol came in there late but you know Lowry Siakam Ananobi uh Van Vliet they've all been playing together you know they play such a strong game too and I've been very critical of teams that don't have superstars so we'll see I mean this team even without the whole run that happened and without Kawhi Leonard they were a team that got to a certain point won a lot of games and then would lose to LeBron can they actually win the whole title? That's yeah, another question. The difference was you were relying on DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. Now, he's a very good player, and they don't have, like, this team, they don't have a star player at all. 
That's the weird part about this Well, they this claim team. that Pascal Siakam is that up-and-coming guy. I don't think he's to that level yet, but he's a very, very talented player. Yeah, I just don't look at him as that guy that gets you the big bucket. Right, exactly. I would lean more on a Kyle Lowry to get you that big bucket over Siakam at this very moment. Eh, I mean, we know what Lowry is. He's a secondary fiddle, and he failed in that role when he had DeRozan there as like the one and one a guy. He's going to be back in that role now, but I think he's kind of gotten past the Lowry that came up small those years because of what happened last year. No, I can agree with that. But yeah, Pascal Siakam has grown into one of his own, and hes it's funny how he was so good when it came to developing his game, like the most improved player, and then he was so good that you could argue he could be that once again. Imagine having a player who was willing to get that much better in the offseason. It must be nice. You know? Like, yeah. he's at the point where he was so good, and he added so much to his game, that he, he was a type of player with most improved type of title to him and he was so good the following year he could have he could have did it again it's just incredible stuff Moving that's on. the series yeah. though i mean there's gonna be a lot of goodies no doubt this, this second round is gonna be good yeah the first round for the nba playoffs is kind of bad now sweeperonis everywhere right now once you get past that one round it starts to become a legit force with two teams that are making the adjustments each game, seeing what the coaches are going to do, seeing what lineups are out there. If, if they're going to go two big men, maybe you get Gasol and Ibaka out there at the same time or, or whatever. They go smaller. You see those type of adjustments by the coaches throughout the seven-game series. It's really fun to watch. I can't wait. You know, I'm not one of those guys that, oh, I can't watch the Celtics play because I hate them so much. Yeah, I don't I don't enjoy watching Boston succeed by any means, but that doesn't mean I'm not excited for this matchup. As a basketball fan, it's going to be unbelievable. Oh, I agree. I, I mean, I love watching. I don't want to see them win. To be fair, I'm not sitting here going, oh, well, if they make it to the finals, I'd be happy because they're a fun team. I don't want them to win, but in terms of second round, nice matchup, I, I'm intrigued to sit down and watch this whole thing play out. Uh, definitely, and and the one thing is, if, if Toronto gets back to the finals again, that would be a tremendous story for them to lose Kawhi Leonard and get back to the finals again. Especially if they have to beat the Milwaukee Bucks to do it. Yeah. If they escape that somehow. Because Miami would play the Bucks. Yep. If Miami wins and then the, the Raptors play Miami, now is it flawed that they get to the finals because they didn't have to face the Milwaukee Bucks? Would people look at it that way? Mm, no, they still made the finals without Kawhi. It's impressive, no you, doubt. You know what I mean? It's like... Everybody said once Kawhi left uh, that they were going to take a big step back. Well, someone who's not going to be making the finals is Nigel Bradham. No Super Bowl for him with yeah. this winning culture stuff. He gets cut by the by the New Orleans Saints after that ridiculous statement last week about how the winning culture, and he was talking about Philadelphia. He won a Super Bowl here, and he tried to back, back up a little bit and go with, I meant when I got there. It wasn't a winning culture when I got to Philadelphia. It obviously was when we won the Super Bowl. What was the nonsense he's trying to spit out of his mouth? I don't Was he, like, was he mad because they let him go? Well, if you remember, it wasn't like he was the greatest teammate in the world. Doug Peterson was saying he wasn't showing up at certain things. Like, dude, you weren't doing your job. That whole story is just weird. It came out of right field, and then, you know, okay, so he ends up, uh, no, he's going to be 31 years old. He was only there for about three weeks with the Saints. I mean, uh, it, it's weird that they just decided, what, this guy can't play anymore? Maybe something happened in-house, sort of like what happened here, where he wasn't doing what he was supposed to. He wasn't going to rehab to make sure he was doing what he needed to. He missed the bus 
for that one preseason game, right? He didn't even show up or, or something of that yeah, nature Yeah, that here. one, uh, the last preseason game. Yeah, exactly. So maybe something happened there where the winning culture in New Orleans said, hey, we don't want this here, and he got him. Yeah, it was just, you know, like, so they signed with this one-year deal. He gets there, then he gets to camp. Oh, this is a great place to be. The culture's great. Kind of like, you won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. I mean, I don't know. That that, that whole story just seen, and then they, they cut him. At a, like randomly on like a Monday. It's like, hey, we're getting rid of this guy. I don't know. I feel he'd get picked up from someone. He's one of those veteran linebackers that one team will just have him added to the team. By the way, how about Earl well, Thomas? He was, a, he was a free agent for five months. I know. It was a long time. Yeah. But I feel some team is going to need a linebacker at some point and might go, hey, let's go with the veteran. But how about Earl Thomas yeah. getting into some trouble in the locker room, getting released from the Ravens? Hey, the Ravens don't take no you-know-what. Yeah. They basically he got into a fight. Right? With very respected guys in the room. Yeah. And they cut him. Just like that. And here's the thing. They don't even need him. That's how good they are back there. They don't even need him, well, which is crazy. So he gets released, and it's contract detrimental to the team. They get a $15 million cap hit on this. That shows you what he did must have been so egregious that they took a $15 million cap hit. He had a fight with Chuck Clark. So that's what they're saying Chuck's here. a pretty important guy, apparently. Yep. It says right here, Raven star safety Earl Thomas was sent home from the facility Friday following a fight with teammate Chuck Clark. I mean, what kind of fight could this have been? He punched him in the face? I mean, did he beat him with, like, <laughs> senseless? I mean, what kind of fight to the point that they took a $15 million cap hit? I and mean, apparently he's going to file a grievance and it could be a $25 million hit if he wins the grievance. Maybe they're just setting the tone. Setting the tone. We're not taking this. I don't know. I mean, they're really solid back there. It, it's, it's a big now, statement. Now, there's a report that the Cowboys are interested in yep. Earl Thomas. Yep. Take him. Have him. I don't think he's the player he once was no, anymore I mean, at 31, he's probably lost a He's step not terrible, so. but he's not that insane, game-changing guy back there anymore either. All right, how about this? The Houston Astros... Just got swept by the Padres. They're 15 and 13. Do you put any sort of stock in they're not cheating anymore, so they're not as good as they were over the last couple years? 15 and 13. They're a 500 baseball team, essentially, at this point. Do you think this has anything to do with not cheating anymore? Mm. Because, look, Altuve, you can all argue that Jose Altuve, Bregman, these players are good baseball players, whether they're cheating or they're not cheating. But there is a problem right now when it comes to this baseball team. They're not playing very well. It's a 60-game season, very wonky situation, but it's not as if. Jose Altuve is batting 214, and he has three home Yeah, he's had some bad at-bats, too. Now, is it because there's no buzzer on his chest? Could be. Could be. Now, it's too early in the season for me to make that. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's only a couple games, I mean, 28 games right, in. If you but... play 28 games in a regular, regular season and we're hitting 218, you could be up to 320 by after the All-Star break. Kind of like know? Andrew Knapp hitting 500. I never had a problem with that. I know you did. I'll, I'll always stand by what I said about last year, JT playing too many innings and because he was awful the last couple seasons. But this year, look, I give him props. He is making the most of every opportunity he's gotten this year. And it's exciting. He's like a spark plug. That play at home plate yesterday, I was fist pumping in my basement. Nah. It must bother you to have to fist pump for you. Nah. nah. Well, dude, I don't care about that kind of stuff. I want my teams to succeed. I don't care. All right, on the other side, football at four.